At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And now we arrive at the high watermark of the evening's festivities. Bringing you the latest happenings across the world of sports, it's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Let's begin the show by starting it. Uh, this is going to be good! What's up, America? Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow here all across Sports Map Radio as we hit midnight on the East Coast and helping you to get there in other parts of the country as well. Still have more to do tonight before we say goodbye for the weekend. And what a weekend it should be with the NFL playoffs beginning. We'll continue to break it down. I'll give you my picks for the weekend in about 15 minutes. Doug Kazarian will join us in about 30 minutes to give his insights on the games this weekend. And coming up later on, who has the most pressure on them this weekend in the NFL playoffs? Plus, big news with the hiring of the next Patriots head coach, the next Alabama head coach. Continue to talk that out here in a moment on Sports Map tonight. If you ever miss anything from the show, such as our conversations throughout the evening with college football head coaches like David Braun, head coach of Northwestern, Jamie Chadwell, head coach at Liberty, or Rhett Lashley, head coach at SMU. You can always go back and find those conversations or anything else from the show each and every night on demand simply by searching Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow wherever you listen to your podcast. Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow to find the entire show on demand each and every night. And if your great affiliate does not carry all three hours of the show, you can head over to streamsportsmap.com or download our free app, Sports Map Radio in the App Store to listen to the show from anywhere in the world. We're here Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time to 1 a.m. Eastern Time as we're into the final hour of the week here before the Wild Card Weekend. You can always get in touch with the show. Find me on Twitter at Morrow on the Mic, M-A-U-R-O on the Mic. You can always text the show, 346-298-1260. You can always call the show, one 800 224-2004, and you can always email the show as well, sportsmaptonight at gmail.com. Two legends were, for one reason or another, removed, let's say, from their jobs. Right, Nick Saban retiring, Bill Belichick fired this week. And today we get their two replacements. Kalen DeBoer hired as the new coach at Alabama, and I do like the move in terms of Kalen DeBoer, the football coach. I would be concerned for anybody going there and trying to replace Nick Saban. Hard to replace a legend. But in terms of just simply a football coach, yeah, I think Kalen DeBoer was one of the best ones out there. One with less at Washington. Now he'll have more, could potentially have the most with Alabama. My only concerns are, number one, replacing Saban. Number two, not as big of a concern, but the lack of southern roots, if you will. However, Brian Kelly, we'll see how things play out at LSU, but he's not any sort of a southern guy Winds up at LSU, had a good first year. Second year, not quite as good, but did have a Heisman quarterback. And I think he's a really good football coach, and he's going to have success there. We'll see how it plays out over time. 
I think Kalen DeBoer could have success at Alabama, but good luck to anybody following Nick Saban's act there in Tuscaloosa. Greatest coach of all time at the college football level. It's just so difficult for anybody to try to replace him. Meanwhile, in the NFL, the Patriots announced Gerard Mayo as their new head coach to replace Bill Belichick. And this move, I like less. I don't like this move because I don't think it's different enough. If you're going to move on from Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time, you don't just hire one of his former players and longtime assistants and try to keep this Patriot way. You don't just promote somebody from his staff. If you're going to make that move, I think you got to go all the way and really shake it up, be different, because I don't think this is all that different. You know, always when you typically make a change, you typically make a change for the opposite, whether it's an employee, whether it's a coach in the sports world, whether it's a significant other. You end a relationship, you try to find somebody who's different than the person you were just with. And for the Patriots, when you move on from Bill Belichick, if you try to find the opposite of that, I would say that's a young offensive coach, which fittingly is the way the league is moving. I would have suggested somebody like Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator, because for the Patriots, what has been their big problem lately? Their offense. They scored the second fewest points in the league this year. They don't have a quarterback. And when you're trying to solve those problems, is a defensive coach in Gerard Mayo, who's never been a head coach before, the perfect guy to provide those solutions? I don't think so. I would have gone with an offensive coach like a Ben Johnson. But what does this truly solve for New England, right? If you wanted to continue the Patriot way, if you wanted to keep it in the family, I mean, you could have just kept Bill Belichick. He is the greatest coach of all time. But this instead is similar to the thing that we've criticized dozens of teams over the years of doing, where they just simply try to hire a Belichick assistant because they think he'll be just as good as Bill, and it never works out. It's a lazy idea. And for Gerard Mayo, he played for Belichick. He coached alongside him. He's only worked for or with Bill Belichick. It's all he's known. So he might just try to continue to be like Bill Belichick, like all those other assistants, like Eric Mangini and Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cronell and Bill O'Brien and these guys that try to duplicate what Bill was doing and failed miserably. And when you go back and you look, I looked this up, last 15 years, there have been 18 head coaches in the NFL that have just been promoted from within, like Gerard Mayo. 18 coaches last 15 years. Of those 18 coaches, only three ever won a playoff game. Not many more even made it to the playoffs. Less than half ever made it to the playoffs. Three out of 18 won a playoff game. Only Doug Marone of the 18 made it to a conference championship game. Zero ever made it to a Super Bowl. Last 15 years, it typically does not work out when you just simply promote from within. When one coach retires or leaves for whatever reason and you think, eh, we'll just keep this going, make his offensive coordinator or his defensive coordinator, his right-hand man the head coach, and we won't skip a beat. Usually doesn't work. It's a lazy thought. It's a lazy hiring practice. And I thought that was also the case here for New England. I would have preferred Mike Vrabel, who still is a Patriot guy, could continue that Patriot tradition, but at least he went out and cut his teeth elsewhere. Just like when you have a family business, you don't want to just hand it over to your kids. You want them to go out, work for some other people, other companies, figure some things out, you know, work for others, see what it's like, grind a little bit, and then eventually down the road, when he's qualified, when he's ready, he comes back, runs the company. That's like Mike Vrabel. Gerard Mayo, meanwhile, was just sitting there all these years waiting for Belichick to step aside so he could continue in that role. Vrabel went out, forged his own path, worked at Ohio State, his alma mater, became a head coach already, doing so in Tennessee with the Titans where he had some success. 
And now, fittingly, was available just as they were moving on from Belichick. Seemed like it all timed up perfectly. But that was the problem for Belichick. He always kept it in the family. Wouldn't do things different enough. No one could tell him anything differently. And now this is just the Patriots keeping it in the family. And for Robert Kraft, this is the first time in 25 years he had a chance to actually make a hire. Should be exciting. And instead, this is what you do. Just promote one of the assistants where you already put it in the contract a year ago that, hey, when we move on from Belichick, you're our guy. There was no search. And anytime you eliminate a certain portion of the candidate pool, you're closing yourself off to potential. You're limiting yourself to what you can actually end up with. And the Patriots just eliminated the entire pool, the entire process to just promote Gerard Mayo and try to keep this Patriot thing going. And I don't think it was the greatest move. We'll see if it works out, obviously. Time will tell, but I don't think it's a very inspiring hire. Now, here was Albert Breer talking about this hire and why he does like Gerard Mayo as a head coach of the Patriots. Mayo is going to ascend quickly because of the success of D'Amico and the success of Dan Campbell and the success of these ex-players who, of, of Rabel. You know, so, like, I think if you say no, if you walk away from Mayo now, like, you're not getting that back. And I think that's part of the equation. I think Gerard's a special coaching prospect. But I use the word prospect, okay? So you don't know what he's going to be as a head coach. But I think he has special qualities that aren't unlike the qualities that Mike Vrabel has, Mm -hmm. that D'Amico Ryans has, that Dan Campbell has, that Kevin O'Connell has as ex-players. And I just think, like, all you guys, right? You guys were easier to win over, I think, 20, 30 years ago because we all came from the we're going to do it because they said so generation. This generation is different. And I think what's really hard to get with this generation is engagement. So a Mike McDaniel has to fight for engagement, right? These guys have got that hurdle cleared. They walk in and it, have it That hurdle's cleared. Yeah, so I think the big thing, as he said, he called Gerard Mayo a prospect because he likes his prospects as a head coach, but we just don't know. But we do know what Mike Vrabel's like. He is proven, and he is still that Patriot guy. If I was the Patriots, I would have chosen Vrabel over Gerard Mayo. I also would have considered just an offensive coach and gone completely opposite of Belichick. Young offensive coach, like the rest of the league, is moving and maybe looked into Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. By the way, I was thinking about this. Only six coaches are now left in the NFL that were hired before 2019. Six head coaches. And the only one to not reach a Super Bowl of that bunch is Sean McDermott. If you... Zoom out a little bit more. Every coach hired before the pandemic, which was 2020, that are still in that position as a head coach in the NFL, have made multiple appearances to conference championship games, except for Sean McDermott. And as it was Chris Rock, I would always say a man is only as loyal as his options. When you're now an owner or a GM and you're reassessing your team and might do so in the coming weeks if and when they're eliminated from the playoffs, and you look out there at the, the various options now available, Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, right? those are some good options out there. And then you look back inward, especially if you're the Buffalo Bills, and you see, man, of all the coaches that have been in their positions this long, we're the most underachieving. We're the ones that have accomplished the least. I think there's a lot of pressure on Sean McDermott this postseason. The Bills are the two-seed. The Bills don't have to worry about the Ravens until the AFC title game. The Bills have home field advantage for the first two rounds. The Bills are healthy enough. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs on offense there. You get the Steelers coming in with Mason Rudolph, their third quarterback this weekend. 
And if you come up short again, if you're Buffalo, especially if you lose the way you have in the past, if I'm the Bills owner, if I'm the Pagula family, I'm looking around and I see some enticing options out there. And I see a coach that has accomplished the least amount of any coach that has been hired before the pandemic. And maybe I'm making a move. I think there's a lot of pressure on Sean McDermott and also Mike McCarthy, Nick Sirianni, and that pressure ramps up when someone like Belichick is just sitting out there. When we come back, I'll give you my picks for the NFL playoffs this weekend. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Broadcasting live from the Sports Map Radio Studios, it's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Coming up, the NFL picks of the weekend. We'll get to them here on Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow, all across Sports Map Radio. And Doug Kazarian will join us in about 15 minutes and give his breakdown on the games for this weekend as well. Should be a fun weekend of NFL football with really a lot of interesting games. I, I see a reason to watch all of them except, I would say, the Monday night football game, the Eagles and the Bucks. Like, if there was one game you had to leave out, one game you had to miss out on, that's the one game. All the other games, even though the Bills are favored by 10 against the Steelers, just because of the weather, that draws me in. First game on Sunday. And the Bills are one of those teams that, I mean, they're just hard to trust. You never know. They could self-destruct and make that game interesting. So every Friday night, I always give you picks during the football season. We finished the NFL regular season with a winning record. We did pretty well on picks. Now, did lose, did have a losing week in week 18, a rare losing week, so that wasn't good. But on the year, we finished 77-62 and then had seven pushes as well. So 77-62, and 62, 15 games over 500. Uh, it was like 56%, I believe, on the year, something like that, which is uh, pretty good. Now we'll try to continue it into the playoffs. Since there's only six playoff games, we're just going to run through all of the games, and I'll give you my thoughts on each of them and what I expect. And if you're not a betting man, it also just provides my insight. I'll let you know how I actually see these games playing out or the matchups as well, let alone the, you know, the number on the game. So anyways, with that said, let's strike up the band. Let's run through these games. I'll give you some picks here for the NFL weekend. All right, it begins tomorrow here in Houston where we're located. 4.30 Eastern kick, Cleveland against Houston tomorrow afternoon. And the Browns are favored by two in Houston. I'm going to take the Texans plus two. I wish it was still at three. It's come down. People are betting on Houston. They're moving that number. I'll take the Houston Texans plus two. I think the Texans just win outright. Typically when it's plus two, I'll just take the underdog outright. How many games actually end by a one or two point margin? But when I look at this game, look, the Browns are under 500 on the road this year. They're a different team on the road. At home, the Browns allow 14 points per game. That's the number one defense. On the road, they allow 30 points per game. That is 31st in defense. This is a different Browns team. They played the Texans a couple weeks ago, and with Case Keenum, the Texans scored 22 points in Houston. Now they have C.J. Stroud, who has not turned the football over in five games who went 6-2 and two as a starter at home this year, who put up big numbers playing indoors at home. And while he is a rookie quarterback, and you're always concerned about rookies in the playoffs, last year I saw Brock Purdy, a rookie, win two playoff games, both at home, 
and posted a quarterback rating over 100. So while you often won't trust rookies in the playoffs, I think it's a little bit different when they're at least at home. First playoff game for the Texans in a few years, so the crowd's going to be into it tomorrow. The Browns, not good on the road. Texans, good at home. Give me Houston tomorrow. And by the way, the Joe Flacco story is great, but he turns over the football quite a bit. And so he goes on the road against D'Amico Ryans, who will have a good plan for him. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'll take the Texans to win outright. Houston plus two. Tomorrow night, Miami at Kansas City. Man, I wish this number was still three. Hopefully you grabbed it earlier in the week. You could have bet the Chiefs minus three. Now it's up to four, four and a half in some places. Because of that, I think I have to take the Dolphins, and I hate it. I have to hold my nose and bet the Dolphins at four and a half. I don't think Miami wins this game. But because of the weather, maybe it'll be lower scoring and be closer. I do like the under. The point totals come down to 43 and a half. It's supposed to be a minus 30 with the wind chill. I like the under in this game. So if there's not a lot of points, the Chiefs might not be able to pull away from the Dolphins. But everything tells me to go against Miami. The Dolphins, as a franchise, are 1-17 and since 2017 when the weather is below 49 degrees. 1-17. and It's now going to be minus 30 with the wind chill. Coldest game in Tua's career. Tua's never won a game when it's been under 40 degrees. Tua has not been good against teams with winning records on the road. So I really hate this. But you have to play numbers, not teams. I think no shot the Dolphins actually win. But can they keep it under five points? That's the hope. So I hate it, but I'm going to have to take the Dolphins at four plus four and a half on the road. I think the Chiefs win. I don't know if they cover. Sunday afternoon, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. The Bills favored by 10 at home against the Steelers. Look, the Steelers are 1-10 without T.J. Watt. I don't think the Steelers win this game. But can they keep it to single digits? I hope so. I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus 10. A lot of times when you get that bad weather, it evens things out, which is also my hope for Miami. Right? It's harder to throw the football. The Dolphins should hopefully be able to run the football tomorrow night. Similar at Pittsburgh and Buffalo. We've seen this before at the Bills. They lost last year to Cincinnati in a cold game at home because they're not built to play in those games. There's supposed to be some crazy weather here. The Steelers have been able to run the football a little bit better in recent weeks since making that coordinator change. And the Bills are better when they can throw the football than run. I think Buffalo wins this game, but Mike Tomlin is great as an underdog against the spread. And... Josh Allen and the Bills have not been great as heavy favorites. In fact, Buffalo is 0-7 against the spread their last seven games as a double-digit favorite. So give me the Bills to win, but the Steelers to keep it under 10. Because of the weather, the feel-like temperature is supposed to be zero, supposed to be windy, there's supposed to be snow. It's hard to score a lot of points, to move the football, to pull away from a team. I think the Steelers can hang in there, keep it to single digits in a loss. Give me Pittsburgh plus 10. Dallas against Green Bay Sunday afternoon. Dallas favored now by seven. It was seven and a half. It's come down to seven. I think the Cowboys win the game. I would tease the Cowboys with the Texans. If you want to get crazy, you could throw a few different teams in there. I think the Cowboys win, but seven or seven and a half might be too much. Jordan Love and Dak Prescott are the two quarterbacks with the most touchdown passes this season. Also, the Packers running game has been pretty good 
to finish out the season. Now, look, the Packers, it is the first playoff game for Jordan Love. They are the youngest playoff team in 50 years. I don't think the Packers win this game. But the Cowboys, historically, they're just 3-12 and 12 against the spread in the playoffs since 1997. I think the Packers can keep it close and hang in there in Dallas Sunday afternoon. But I do think the Cowboys win. So this is another one where I hold my nose. I take the Packers plus seven. Don't love it. I think the Cowboys win, but I don't know if they win by multiple scores. So give me the Packers plus seven begrudgingly. Sunday night, the Rams are in Detroit. The the Lions are favored by three. Give me the Rams plus three. The Rams are healthy. The Rams are playing better football. The Lions finished the year four and three. The Rams finished, I think it was six and one. And when healthy this year on offense, the Rams went six and two. Matt Stafford uh, should be able to have a good game in his homecoming. The Lions' pass defense is 25th in the league. They don't really get after the quarterback too well. The Rams, meanwhile, Sean McVay knows Jared Goff very well. Sean McVay has won a handful of playoff games. He's won a Super Bowl. Dan Campbell's never coached a playoff game. Plus, no Sam Laporta. That's a big loss for the Lions, their tight end. I assume he's not going to play. We'll see. But just give me the Rams. I think the Rams are the better team right now. The Rams are playing better football. So I think the Rams cover the plus three. I think the Rams win outright in Detroit. And lastly, Monday Night Football, Eagles and the Bucks. I think it's the worst game of the weekend. Bucks are a three-point underdog at home. I'll take a home dog in a playoff game. I don't think the Eagles should be favored by three on the road against anybody right now. Started 10-1 and one, and then just won one game the rest of the year. Plus, A.J. Brown's injured. Jalen Hurts is injured, dislocated his finger. The Eagles look like they quit last weekend. I'll take the Bucks plus three. I know Baker Mayfield's banged up as well, but the Bucks have a good defense. They stopped the run. I just don't trust Philadelphia right now to bounce back after what we saw the last two months of the season. Give me Tampa to cover the three. I wish it was still three and a half, but I'll take Tampa plus three. They might just win outright. And I'll take my chances Monday night with the Bucks. I also like the under 43 and a half. Two teams with injured quarterbacks. It's a primetime game. Primetime prime games were low scoring this year. Buccaneers are a pretty good defense. They'll be at home. Philadelphia's on the road. Give me the Bucks plus three. So there you go. Texans plus two. Steelers plus ten. Rams plus three. Buccaneers plus three. And then if I had to, I guess I'll take the Dolphins plus four and a half. And I'll take the Packers plus seven. I also like the under in that Dolphins-Chiefs game and the under in the Eagles-Buccaneers game. I feel probably the best about the Rams and the Texans, but we'll see what that actually means this weekend. And I would tease a few of those teams. I think a lot of teams are set up well to be teased this weekend to move that number around. Those are the picks of the weekend. Keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully we do well. Good luck this weekend. When we come back, Doug Kazarian will join us next. We'll further break down these football games. It's Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow, all across Sports Map Radio. Broadcasting live from the Sports Map Radio studios, it's Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow. 
Back on Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow here all across Sports Map Radio as we get ready for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL this weekend. And who better to turn to for some tips and advice and maybe some ways to make a little extra catch this weekend than Doug Kazarian, who you can find on Twitter at Doug Kazarian, formerly of ESPN. Now check out OnlyPlayers.com for all of his insights and stories. Doug, appreciate the time. And, uh, hey, welcome to the NFL playoffs. It's always an exciting time of the year. I know, right? All the moving parts last weekend, a lot of confusion, but now we know who we have, and it's uh, full speed ahead, and really some interesting matchups and situations when you factor in the weather. Absolutely. So let's just run through these games one by one, and I know, of course, you might not have a strong feeling or an actual bet for each game, but just to get your thoughts on each of these, and it begins with Cleveland and Houston, which I find to be fascinating. Houston's a home dog plus two. Is there something that stands out in this game, whether it's the spread, total, prop, whatever it may be? What do you see in this one? Yeah, so basically my approach is my own opinion, of course, but I also like to incorporate uh, very sourced information and aggregate it all. But basically this line touched three briefly, but it was two and a half, very respected, better, took the underdog here, and it seems to be trickling down. And it makes sense. This Browns team, very different on the road than at home. But even this Joe Flacco sort of experience, which I'm a fan of, and it's been amazing what's been going on in Cleveland, but it's not like he's totally lighting up the world. He's throwing a lot of interceptions. And the, the wins they had, like they beat Houston a couple of weeks ago, but D.J. Stroud didn't play in that game. They clinched on that Thursday night by beating the Jets at home and Trevor Simeon. So it's not like they've been dominating on offense. It's really been the defense, but the defense has not played well on the road. So I'm all about Houston in this game. And I think the best way to play it is to tease it up through those key numbers. And when we say key numbers, common margins of victory in the NFL, three, four, six, and seven. So I would get Texans on a teaser at plus seven and a half, but I also think they win this game outright. I like it, and I do like the Texans in this matchup. Miami and Kansas City, one of those games you mentioned right off the bat that could be affected by the weather, feel like temperature may be as low as minus 30. Kansas City's favored by four and a half. We know the history of the Dolphins in cold weather. I don't think they win this game, but how do you think they can match up in the cold against Kansas City? Can they at least keep it close enough? Well, last year, around this time, they played like a late regular season game in like Arctic temperatures at Buffalo, and... They only lost by three, and I believe the spread was seven. So, And I, it was their third straight row game. I was really impressed by them. But this team is very different this weekend than last year. First of all, Waddle, Mostert, and Tua are banged up. And even if Waddle and Mostert play, they're not 100%, and Tua's got that shoulder thing. Also, I think they're going to miss as many as six defensive starters. And so despite the Arctic temperatures with gusts of wind, Two respected groups bet this game over the total. Now, I spoke to a pro better this morning. who's a really good friend of mine, and he just swears on his life. He's like, no way. You don't understand how hard it is to operate in this cold of weather, this extreme cold. I mean, it's just people can't function, and he does not think anyone fast can really be at their top speed in this kind of weather. The ball can't float. You're not going to get any field goals uh, over 30 yards. You may not get an extra point attempted. So the fact that it's getting bet up over 43 and a half, 44, it's kind of surprising, but they're really respected groups and they're sharp. But I think you look to the props. Some of these odds makers will be slow, will be asleep at the wheel. There'll be some silly props like longest field goal, 47 and a half, you bet under. Made field goal, that is. It's not even attempted. So you can maybe find some props like, you know, will, the, will there be a score on the first drive? I would say I would bet no. 
Now they may they may adjust, but they may not. So I think there's opportunities there. But for me, I'm not touching the total, but I am playing Kansas City. If a team from Miami that's playing in the coldest game in franchise history and has these warm weather guys and they're down all these defenders at Mahomes and I only have to lay four points and I lose, so be it. I'm happy going to battle with that minus four in my pocket. Yeah, it's a fair point as we catch up with Doug Kazarian. Check out OnlyPlayers.com and find him on Twitter at Doug Kazarian. Pittsburgh and Buffalo Sunday afternoon, another one of those games that could be impacted by the weather. This number I saw move slightly, but Buffalo's favored by about nine and a half, ten against the Steelers. This is another one where I'd ask you, you know, cold weather, outdoor game, seems like a mismatch. Do you think the Steelers can keep things interesting Sunday? I do. I do because I think the weather's going to level the playing field. The snow and wind, this over-under is way low, and it's trickling down. Like, it was 35 and a half a couple days ago, then 35. Now we're at, like, 33 and a half. And I agree. I think it's going to be really hard to move the ball. Now, remember, a couple weeks ago, the Steelers ran it down the throats in Seattle against the Seahawks. And I was impressed with their smash ground game. And I think they're going to bring that to Buffalo. The Bills have been running a little bit more since the offensive coordinator change. I think this that's the reason this came inside the number of 10. I think it's because it's a lower scoring game, harder to throw. I think that that's why this number's coming down and around nine or so. I do think it goes under the current total of 33 and a half. I think Tomlin's going to approach this game very conservatively. Vanilla, let's run, run, and run some more. We'll punt, turn it over to our defense. Now, T.J. Watt is out, and that is huge. Steelers are 1-10 against the spread in games that Watt has missed. But I think with less passing in this game, where he is more of a pronounced edge rushing the passer, not that he can't be effective against the run, but I think that does nullify the severity of the absence. I would lean to Steelers covering, but I don't want to bet on it because I just think it's going to be an ugly game. But I do like the under. I bet I bet it at 35. I would be okay with it at 33 and a half as well. Let's head indoors. Green Bay, Dallas, where the totals actually up over 50, so some points are expected there. Cowboys favored by seven against Green Bay. And the way Jordan Love's been uh, playing lately, we might see some offense from both sides. How do you handicap that game Sunday afternoon for Dallas and Green Bay? Yeah, you know, this line was seven and a half and then came down to seven, which I agree with. So this is the game I would do a teaser with. I mentioned the Texans plus seven and a half. I would tease the Cowboys down to one. I think there is sort of experienced edge with Dallas. I really do. Remember their playoff opener? They went into Tampa and worked the Bucks last year. I think the Packers get a little, I don't know if sloppy is the right word, but carefree and reckless. A lot of drives are like third and two. There's a guy open short. And Love throws a deep ball into, into double coverage, and it's incomplete, and they punt. I just think they waste possessions a little too much, and you can't afford to do that. I still think the defense has issues. I think the Cowboys may cover, but I like them in a teaser. I think they get the win, and I do think we're going to have a high-scoring game, but 15 is a big number. Cowboys have had that kind of a number the last few weeks, and they've gone under the total. So I'm in no rush to bet another Cowboys over, but I think the teaser's the way to play it with the Texans. I know – it's a two-leg outcome. you got to get both to hit. But I think the number's right. I think seven's a fair number. In a pick league, I would lay it, but I, I like the teaser option at the window. Yeah, I like that thought process as well. Talking with Doug Kazarian on Twitter at Doug Kazarian. Check out OnlyPlayers.com as we run through these NFL playoff games of the weekend. And, Doug, I think my favorite matchup is L.A. and Detroit because of that whole quarterback swap, Stafford returning, and then also the potential of these offenses. This is the highest point total of the weekend. Lions are favored by three at home against the Rams. I think I like the Rams to pull off the upset. But what say you about this game Sunday evening? 
Yeah, the Rams are a trendy play. Um, uh, the public's all over them. The sharp money came in early on them when the line was three and a half. So we're at a solid three here. And it makes sense. Obviously, the Rams at full strength, they're a pretty formidable group. Not too long ago, they went to Baltimore, took the Ravens to overtime. So it's not just the wins they've racked up against weak teams. They gave the Niners everything they could handle in week two when everybody's at full strength. Forget week 18. But week two, I mean, Niners were tied late third quarter, I believe. So this Rams team has surpassed all the expectations to get the amount of wins they got when their win total coming into the season was six and a half. I've been impressed, but it does sort of feel cheap to get the Lions at home minus three, but I think there's a coaching edge for McVay. It's going to be interesting with Stafford if he can play with the emotions and all that, and then Goff going against the Rams. I think this game flies over the total. I think we're going to see points. I do like the over in this game if I had to bet it. I'm going to in-game bet it. I'm going to make sure I'm seeing a high-scoring game early and maybe mid-first quarter play the live, uh, live over. But that's how I'm approaching it. I want no part of the under, and I because I think the Lions, you know, secondary, you know, very leaky. Hutchinson will be the key if they can block Hutchinson. Stafford's going to just carve them up all day. And we saw the Vikings even get some easy points last week with Nick Mullins. I, I think I think the Rams will have their way on offense as long as they can contain Aiden Hutchinson. And then lastly, Monday Night Football, Philadelphia is favored by three at Tampa Bay. Maybe I am a sucker stepping into it, but I just don't know why the Eagles should be favored by three on the road in a playoff game right now. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you like in that final game of the weekend? Yeah, they've been terrible. And you're right. You put a different color jerseys on these guys, and they're not. Then maybe it's a pick them or something like that. But the Bucks are banged up as well, and the Bucks haven't been anything that special. Baker Mayfield was limping around. They almost should have lost last week to Carolina. I like the under a lot. Monday night. I think 43 and a half is way too high. I know the Eagles defense is leaky, but I don't see these teams moving up and down. I think we're going to settle for field goals. We're going to see some punts. Things are just disjointed right now, but if I had to pick a side, I actually do like the Eagles to cover this number. I, I, I Remember, they played earlier in the year. Obviously, the Eagles were fresher and better at that time, but this is a step up in class for Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. I, I'm not sure they're ready for this, but Eagles did look like trash a week ago, so who knows? Check him out, Doug Kazarian, on Twitter at Doug Kazarian. Also online, as he said, onlyplayers.com. He's one of the best out there. Doug, appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend of playoff football. All right, you got it, man. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it, and good luck to everyone this weekend. Hey, pleasure's all ours. Doug Kazarian joining us here on Sports Map tonight, all across Sports Map Radio. Broadcasting live from the SportsMap Radio studios, it's SportsMap Tonight with Luke Morrow. Who has the most pressure on them this weekend in the NFL playoffs? Let's talk about it. SportsMap Tonight with Luke Morrow. You're all across SportsMap Radio. As we get ready for NFL Wildcard Weekend. Appreciate the time last segment from Doug Kazarian giving his insights on the games this weekend from a betting perspective. I gave you my picks earlier this hour. If you missed any of that or ever miss anything from the show, you can always go back and find all three hours on demand each and every night. Just search Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow wherever you listen to your podcast. Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow to find the entire show on demand. Appreciate the time from Doug as uh, he joined us on the Progressive Insurance Guest Line. Sponsored by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money. When you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters, you'll earn a multi 
policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. Appreciate the time from Doug here on a football Friday. You know, I typically when we wrap up Fridays going into the NFL week and I give you who has the most pressure on them. And I always give a team, a coach, and a player. It becomes a little bit different when it's the playoffs, fewer games to choose from. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on everybody. But I think these are things that we've been talking about throughout the week where if you were to look at coaches, and I said this earlier, I think there's three coaches in particular. In Sean McDermott, head coach of the Bills. Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Cowboys. And Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles, where you can make an, a case, you can make an argument. I'm not saying this is necessarily the case. We don't know the conversations or thoughts of these GMs and owners behind closed doors. But you can make the case that all three are coaching for their jobs. That if the Eagles do lose Monday night to the Buccaneers, Monday night football, everybody watching in a national game, like all these games are, but at least uh, Chiefs-Dolphins can be hidden a little bit on Peacock. Monday night football, everyone's going to be tuned in, and if the Eagles lose that game and they finish the season, let me try to do this quick math. I don't have the record in front of me. Right, but we play, what, 17 games nowadays? They were 10-1, and one, and then they finished, uh, what was that, 1-5? and five, And then they lose Monday night. They finish 1-6 and six and lose to the Buccaneers in the playoffs? You can make the case that the Eagles should or would make a coaching change. Same idea with the Cowboys. You win the division, you win 12 games, but then you lose at home as a touchdown favorite to the Packers, come up short again in the playoffs. You can make the case that the Packers would or maybe should make a move. And the Bills. Bills probably have the best case to be made, especially if they lose this weekend. They're the heaviest favorite of the weekend. If they lose at home to the Steelers, even if they lose the following week, If you listen to this show, you know I'm not the biggest Sean McDermott fan. I think he's been given more time than he's probably earned at this point. More time than really any other coach has been given in the NFL. I gave you the numbers earlier. Every coach hired pre-pandemic, which wasn't that long ago, 2020. Every coach hired pre-pandemic has made it to multiple conference championship games except for Sean McDermott. He's the only one, even though he's had Josh Allen, even though there's been a lot of talent. And they've been to the playoffs just about every year. They've won the division four straight years. They get home games in the playoffs. They play lower seeds, still unable to to win enough. So those are three coaches that I would say have the most pressure on them this weekend because those are three coaches that I'm not telling you it would happen or even that it necessarily should happen, but I could see a scenario where you wake up Monday and you get more news about one of those teams making a change if they were to lose. Well, the Eagles are playing Monday night, so in that case, it'd be waking up on Tuesday to some news about Sirianni. I don't know how likely they are, but again, with a loss this weekend, you can make a case for those three coaches. When it comes to teams, I think the Cowboys, almost by default, have the most pressure on them this weekend. Texans are playing with house money because they were not supposed to be here. Packers are playing with house money because they're the youngest team in the playoffs. Jordan Love is a first-year starter. I don't think people expected them to be here. Rams are playing with house money because the Rams, their win total in Vegas this year was six at the start of the season. They ended up winning, what, 10 games and going to the playoffs. Uh, Buccaneers, house money, weren't supposed to be here. I would say the Browns at this point, the fact that they've used five different quarterbacks and they're relying on Joe Flacco, I know they're favored. Browns fans obviously want to win tomorrow, but I feel like it's all gravy at this point for them. Kansas City's done enough winning. Pittsburgh shouldn't even be here. But I think the team with the most pressure is Dallas. I would say Detroit and Dallas. 
Detroit, because even though this is their first playoff appearance in a number of years, it's their first division title in over 30 years, I just feel like the expectations have been so ramped up. And it's one of those deals that it's been so long since this occurred that the Lions fans, instead of being grateful, I think instead they're all revved up. It's like when that friend of yours, maybe, you know, they're a mother or a father, they have kids, so they don't get to go out that often anymore. And so when they do get a night off from the kids, yeah, some people might just like a a calm night, hanging out on the couch with some wine, watching TV. But others might actually want to get out of the house and go out drinking. And then they put like big expectations on that night because they don't get to go out very often. So they're trying to cram in like a month of social activity into one night because they just don't get those opportunities very often. And so I think that's kind of like the Lions fan, that it's been pent up for all these years. They've been in the playoffs, not often. You know, they made it at least one time there at Stafford. But to be division champs, to get a a home game, to be favored, to be expected to win, to feel like you have a chance to go on a run here in the playoffs, instead of being grateful that we, we actually won a division for once, I think Lions fans are hoping for something more. And the way the season ended, where they just finished four and three, second half of the year, and they're a little underwhelming. I think they want to see something. The way they lost to the Cowboys in the penultimate game, the way they lost three starters to injury in the season finale, I just think the vibes, I think it's a little tense right now in Detroit. And I think they have to come out and show something Sunday, let alone the fact that also I don't think you want to lose to Stafford. I don't think Jared Goff wants to lose to McVay and Stafford in his own building. But the Cowboys... I think certainly have the most pressure because, number one, they are the Cowboys. Number two, expectations. And for Dallas, when you look at teams, I think every team in this postseason, we could have the conversation that there's some sort of, not necessarily a ceiling, but something they need to do this year. right? Like if the Texans just win one game, that's a success. You win tomorrow if you're Houston, that's a successful postseason. I would say same for the Browns. Browns, you win tomorrow, you go to Baltimore next week. I think that's good enough that you can feel pleased with your postseason for the Kansas City Chiefs I think you just have to win one game tomorrow just don't lose at home to the Dolphins in this weather you win that game it's like okay eh, you did enough if you lose the following week you can't be too disappointed in the case of the Dolphins they got to win a playoff game they got to try to win tomorrow anything short of that I do think is underwhelming or disappointing for their season Pittsburgh uh, just the fact that they're here you win tomorrow it's a huge win it's not expected. Buffalo, I think, needs to get to an AFC Conference Championship. They're home for the next two weeks. They get the Steelers in week one or in you know game one of the playoffs. Got to win two games. Go to Baltimore. Take on the Ravens. See what happens. Green Bay, they're similar to Pittsburgh. Buccaneers, same idea. Like, just being here is good enough. You win this weekend. That's a nice capper to a season. Rams, you win this weekend. Nice capper. I think the Lions need to win at least one playoff game. I think the Eagles need to win at least one playoff game just to force people to put away some of the pitchforks. But the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys have to get to the NFC Championship game. I think they need to get to San Francisco. If you lose to the Niners, well, that's kind of expected at this point. But you can't lose this weekend to the Packers. You can't lose to McCarthy's old team as a pretty big favorite at home. And then the following week, you might get the Buccaneers or Eagles in your building. You can't lose that one either. So I think the Cowboys have the most pressure on them this weekend, which is typically the case, but they need to win some playoff games, and they should get to at least the conference championship. Then when it comes to the player, I laid this out earlier, I think Tua has the most pressure on him. And it's going to be very challenging, of course, because of the conditions tomorrow. Tua in his career 0-4 in games when the temperature is under 45 degrees. 
as many interceptions as touchdowns in those games. QBR of 22, where 50 is average. Not great. And I'm concerned about the Dolphins, the way they lost last week, if they can bounce back from that loss. That was their season. It forced them to go on the road to frigid Kansas City tomorrow night. Similar for the Eagles. The Eagles looked like they quit last week. Can they just flip a switch Monday night in Tampa? And when I look at these games, I always like teams that are playing better. Buccaneers finished the year playing much better football than Philadelphia. The Rams finished the year playing much better football than the Lions. That's why I like those two teams in those games. But Tua needs to show something in that playoff game tomorrow for Kansas City. It just might be too cold to do so. Minus 30 wind chill. Third coldest game it's expected to be. Third coldest game on record for the NFL. Should be interesting. And for Tua, this is what I find interesting. Who's the next quarterback that you actually want to pay in the NFL? Who's the next young quarterback? We'll have to talk more about this after the weekend. But look at the young quarterbacks. Guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Tua. Which one's getting the next big contract? I don't think any of them. C.J. Stroud's only a rookie. He's probably the next good young quarterback. Nobody in between him and the guys that have already been paid. We'll see what happens this weekend in the NFL. I think the Texans win. I think the Chiefs win. The Bills, the Cowboys win. The Rams and the Buccaneers. We'll be on the air for the end of that Buccaneer game Monday night with the Eagles. Enjoy the football weekend. We'll be back to break it all down Monday night. Life's a series of hellos and goodbyes. For now, we say goodbye. We'll say hello again Monday night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow all across Sports Map Radio.